Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AmLaw 100 partner who, just five years into my legal career, found myself questioning, why work so hard to barely be squeezing life in? So that I wouldn't become yet another attorney burnout statistic, I decided to redefine success on my terms from the inside out, which is what enabled me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating my way through the challenges of two kids and two bed rests, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness. And I'm on a mission to help you do exactly that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both law and life. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Well, hey there, Dina. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. I am great, Heather. Thanks for having me on here. So tell people a little bit about you. What do you do now? And um, then we'll get into kind of your background and your story. So what what do you do these days? These days, I coach high-achieving lawyers create the life they want. So designing their life with intention versus on autopilot. So somewhat similar to what I do. <laughs> A little different, but somewhat similar. But you you haven't always done this. Right. Um, how long have you been coaching? I have been coaching... Gosh, about three years now. Okay. But I think all lawyers have a little bit of coach in them. Yeah. <laughs> and they've been doing it for years at some some level. Uh full time. I've been a coach since January at the beginning of this year. Okay, awesome. And so, and you were a lawyer as well yes. and yes. practiced for a while. So tell us a little bit about what you used to do. Yeah. So I was a criminal prosecutor for about 15, 16 years. I did trials, uh, preliminary hearings. I did all the calendar courts, you know, did dozens of jury trials from, I say, DUIs to homicide cases. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I, I did a range of things in that office. And one of the things that really interested me about the office, especially towards the last, I don't know, five or six years there was working um, in mental health courts. So mm. I dealt with, um, let's say, uh, veterans who had a suicide attempt and they were having their uh, their guns taken from them. They wanted to attempt to get them back. And so I really got to have a lot of one-on-one contact with people who had deep trauma. Mm-hmm. We used the word deep earlier. So that word's in my head. It's like trauma is can be like with a little T or a big T, but to deal with people who've had major things happen in their lives, I think for me really sparked my interest in how the human brain works and the human aspect of ourselves. Cause so often, and you probably experience this too, is like, we think of ourselves as robots <laughs> and we almost judge other people as robots as if they should be behaving better versus having that compassion piece and understanding the human aspect of ourselves. Yeah. Okay. So I'm guessing that your career as an attorney was somewhat fulfilling, yet very stressful. <laughs> you know, it it really, especially the first few years, because I didn't know how to, and I didn't have anybody really helping me, right? Like they I don't think anyone really had the tools to help lawyers in my office, like really handle the victims, right? Because you you do are working with people who have been traumatized. You are working with people who, you know, are 
you know, you, it's almost like, you know, you joke around about it. It's like they get traumatized twice. You know, they have the initial incident and then they have the criminal justice system, which if we're not taking care of ourselves and like working with these people in a way that helps them, it can feel like you're being re-traumatized. Mm. So um, it was really fulfilling. I didn't have the tools. And then when I learned the tools, which I got through coaching, like I just kind of fell into coaching. It's nothing's really an accident, but I call it like I fell into coaching by accident. <laughs> but, you know, clearly there was a reason why I found coaching. And I learned the tools to manage my law practice and my brain. So I could actually go after those big, scary goals while I was still practicing law full time mm-hmm. and not have the overwhelm, which kind of, it kind of shocked me because I tested the tools that I had, right? And I had a homicide trial. I had never had a homicide trial before. I was working full time. I had my business and I was like, okay, I am going to create something here that I've never done before. How am I going to do it? And I problem solved and I strategized, which is, you know, what we talk to our clients about. And I created a trial, like it was like two, two, three weeks of trial, something like that. It wasn't Mm -hmm. that long of a trial, but there's like prep and all of that good stuff. I did the trial, handled my negotiating caseloads because I had a full, like I probably had 500 cases, you know, (laughs) like just like being negotiated. I don't know if you work calendar courts, there's a ton of cases. I problem solved all of it. I managed my schedule. I made my life easy that week and I handled it and I wasn't stressed out. And I was like, holy crap, if only we could bottle this, like if we could just like teach the lawyers when they come into the office, whatever Mm. kind of law you practice, these skills, you can run trials without killing yourself. But that took me practicing the skills ahead of time and falling on my face like a dozen different ways, (laughs) you know, and then I could do something like run a trial like that and not be killing myself. Right. And I, I think it's really important to express, like, there's a lot of lawyers out there listening to this. There's no way I could do that. No way that won't work for me. Like, come on people. If it works for somebody who's handling that many cases dealing with a homicide trial and trying to run a side business, it can work for anybody. Yeah. But you have to be open enough to try and willing to fail. You said, I fell on my face a lot before I figured out exactly how to use these, you know, for me. And it does try, it it takes trial and error. I've definitely discovered that myself, right? You don't just get, you don't learn a tool one day and snap of the fingers, everything's perfect and great. You actually have to learn how to incorporate it into your life. You actually have to create habits, which takes some time and it takes consistency. (laughs) Yeah. And as you do those things, you figure out what works for you and what doesn't and how, you know, where you want to make changes and how you want to utilize these tools the best way possible for you. And that it just takes a willingness to fail, (laughs) get up, learn from it, try again and keep going. And eventually you get better at it. And it does work. Yeah. 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 It, it was pretty incredible for me to observe it because I would not have believed that was possible before. Mm. I would have like a smaller trials. Okay. Like fine. But for one like that, where it would be very easy to put a ton of pressure on myself, my first homicide trial, like I'd, you know, never done this before. I had this, you know, what, huge caseload. Like I could have gone into overwhelm and really pressured myself there. Mm-hmm. 
and I didn't. But it took me trying over and over and over again. And then like I just the practice just pays off because there's an, a compound impact that we don't yes. observe, right? Like you do one little thing and then that is a domino effect into another little thing. And then you create this other little habit and then you make this other observation and then you try this other thing. And there's this compound effect of just starting, right? Just mm-hmm. that even before you're ready, before you think you can do it, just like starting. And then you see a payoff, but sometimes you can't observe it in the way you think it's going to show up in your life until you have something come up and you're like, whoa, I handled that so well. That was awesome. Right. Well, and there's a couple of things there too. I think first and foremost, not only do you have to admit that, okay, it may not work perfectly at first and I have to keep going, because we lawyers are big on immediate payoff, pay right? If, if it doesn't work immediately exactly as I envision it, then it doesn't work. <laughs> but that's not always the case. Um, but, you know, there's more to it. You you talked about, I didn't even realize until I kind of got into it and then looked back. A lot of times we don't realize like the progress we're making until we do a look back. Yes. And I think that's really important to ensure that you – if you're trying out these tools and you're trying to create new habits, that as you're going through it, you continually look back. Because I think when you look back and you realize, I've made more progress than I thought. This turned out better than I thought. I handled that better than I thought. And not fall into the perfection trap that we often hold ourselves to, right? Like you said, like robots. We all think we're going to be – but we're not. We're human. And so that does mean – you know, some emotions we don't expect. That does mean new things happen that we don't expect. And we're going to react to that somewhat and give yourself some grace and give yourself permission to be human and look back and be honest about, well, it may not have been perfect, but you know what? A year ago, I wouldn't have reacted this way or even six months ago or even three months ago or even two months ago. So you're making progress. And if you do it that way, I find through myself and my clients, and I'm sure you see this too, that then you start to like, it compounds because you start to open up to doing more and more and more. Yes. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. So did you always want to be a lawyer? I did not always want to be a lawyer. I wanted to work in foreign policy Mm. and the profession I saw most often represented in foreign policy when I when the the period I was observing this was kind of around uh, 2001 2002 I was living in Egypt and it was a study abroad program and so I was really attentive to politics at that time because September 11th had just mm-hmm. happened and like I was in a different country when it happened so <laughs> I was like really attentive and so that really formed my interest to um go to law school and pursue that career. I didn't anticipate that I would be working as a lawyer. Mm. I didn't really, I didn't have the, and yeah, and this is really interesting because I didn't have the tools I have now. And so if I were to do a look back and just say, hey, why didn't I pursue foreign policy? My brain was telling me it was too hard, right? Mm. And, And and I actually discovered that's not really the path I wanted, right? I, I took a really clear look at, at what that would mean for my lifestyle and would I want that lifestyle. 
So when it came time for me to make a choice about do I continue with my legal career or do I pursue the foreign policy career, I had decided this is not the lifestyle I wanted. But that was really hard because I had devoted a lot of time and energy into this. And my brain was just it was just like, it did not compute. It was like, why did you put so much time and energy into this if you weren't going to do it? Which I find with um, myself when I had decided to go into coaching and go, and even before that, I, I was trying a business to see mm-hmm. like, how would this work? Like, how do you even run a business? <laughs> what does that include? I had to get my brain around the thought that I needed to stay in the law because they paid me so much money. I had devoted so much time, right? Like there's that fallacy of the investment of time and money and energy into something, even if it's not what you feel called to do. And when I discovered coaching, it was a clear call. It was like this, this fulfills me like in a way that the, my legal career never fulfilled me. And I just needed to understand my brain was going to give me those thoughts no matter what. And it was up to me to keep fighting for my belief in what I wanted and what I was, what I desired. And so often, and this shows up in goal setting all the time, we're not fighting for our belief in ourselves or our belief in our idea. And we let the brain default into Mm -hmm. the thoughts it will always go to, which is you can't do it. This is too hard. Why are you doing this? You spent so much time. You have student loans, blah, blah, blah. Brain is going to talk. It's just going to talk. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I see that too. I see so many. And, and it, it comes out in even smaller ways, right? That sunk cost fallacy where when I talk to clients who clearly want to still be lawyers, but maybe they're not at the best firm for them. Maybe they have this calling to start their own firm or practice or go solo. Maybe, you know, there's all these other thoughts that are coming in there and that sunk cost fallacy. Yeah, but I've been here for X amount of time. This is the path I'm supposed to be on. This is what everybody else does. That, and you combine it with, what are other people going to think? How oh my gosh. Go? I was just thinking this, right? <laughs> I had, um, it was so funny because I have this very clear example in my life of where <laughs> I can see where my brain was. So I had a conversation with a friend of mine years ago and I was like, I really like this coaching thing. It's going to be amazing. Like I really, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And he was like, well, I don't know. Like, are you sure? You know? And it was so interesting because in that moment, I became defensive and I was like, I can do this. Why aren't you supporting me? Blah, 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 which is not his job to support me. And his statement only reflected my belief in myself. Like, Mm. so I have a very clear point delineation and where I was, I said words, he said words, and then I had a reaction but that was just a reflection of my belief in myself at that time. Right. And then a couple of years later, I was talking to the same person about it and I was telling him what I was doing. And he 100% believed in me because that was a reflection of my belief in myself and how that has shifted for myself. So when we look at like, oh, what are people going to think of me? There's the aspect of, you know, the hypothetical, what are they going to think of me? But mm-hmm. then there's words. People will actually tell you that, are you sure you got a really good thing going here? Like, this is a lot of money. Are you sure you want to do that? Right, right. <laughs> so you've got to fight for your own belief. And that is what's going to develop your confidence in yourself. And once you start having that confidence in yourself, you're going to start seeing it reflected in what people say to you. 
Well, and that the confidence piece is so interesting because I think a lot of people think incorrectly that confidence is supposed to like come by thinking about it. Huh. <laughs> it doesn't matter that way. <laughs> confidence is created and built over time by taking action when you don't feel very confident. It's yeah. it's just courageous action. And that doesn't mean you have to take like huge leaps, right? So it sounds like you had a side business for a while. You didn't come out and do it all at once. I've talked before about when I realized I didn't want to practice anymore, I put together a two-year plan because financially, you know, I've got kids, they're in school, I have a husband, I had people who were relying on me and I brought in a lot of money for our family. And so we had to financially make sure it would work first before I just walked away. Right. And so we had a plan. It was a two-year plan. I stuck to the two-year plan. And at the end of the two years, I walked away (laughs) because we saved and we changed our lifestyle, and we did a bunch of things that enabled me to do that. And so you don't have to take the big, big leap all at once. Mm -hmm. But I knew because I had taken little steps along the way that it was the right time and the right way. And so I think that people, we, we create these false, like straw man arguments against ourselves Around, well, that just means I have to take a big leave and I can't do that. Or that, you know, and it's not true. There are ways to kind of go after your big vision, your big goals, the big kind of that thing that's in the back of your head, like telling you you want that. And oftentimes we don't because we make up all these reasons why not that aren't real. Yeah, but our brain tells us they're real. They Mm -hmm. are just, it's like when we don't observe what's happening in our brain and I'm telling you 99% of us do not do this. Okay. Like it, it, it makes sense that we would have a thought in our brain and we would just believe it because it's there. And I, it took me some time to understand there's a separation between who we are and our thoughts, Mm -hmm. right? We are swimming in water, right? Like we just think everything we see and think is the truth. And so until we start questioning those is true and start saying, wow, is, huh, that's it. What? Like getting curious about our thoughts and asking ourselves things like, well, I've always thought that. Well, why do I think that? Is it because it's something I've heard when I was a little kid? Is it because of something that a friend told me? You know, I, is it because I, Oh my gosh, I had this example, right? I was voting recently and I was looking at the guide that describes what um, a proposition does. Mm -hmm. In California, we have these propositions and we have to understand the legal words and what Mm -hmm. everything means, which is ridiculous, but that's another podcast. So I go in and I read the explanation and the way that it's worded gives absolutely zero airtime to the negative impacts of what's going to happen. And me as a criminal prosecutor, I see this. It had to do with um, taxing cannabis in a way that was going to provide for this other service that was completely unrelated. And they said, oh, it's not a consumer tax. We are only taxing the people who sell it. And I'm like, wait a minute. Do you think that the people who are selling the cannabis are not going to pass on the expense to the consumer? This makes zero sense. But see, if somebody says those words, they'll be like, oh, it doesn't tax the consumer until you start questioning a sentence in your brain. You're not going to understand the impact of it and why you may or may not be getting the result that you want in your life. One thing I find, I don't know if you see this as much, I'm sure you do actually, because it's happened so much is... 
I find that my clients, it's easier for them to question once they learn the tools and rethink thoughts that they've had that come from other people, right? People telling them something, um, watching somebody go through something, and then, but if it's an actual experience they've had, that is a true experience, right? Yeah. There's a lot, they, it's like they hold on to those so much harder. (laughs) Yeah. Like I've never, I've never done this before. Right. I've never achieved this. Or this, this is what happened in this situation. Yeah. Ergo, it will happen every time I do that. It's like, right. no, no, it happened that once. Right. <laughs> that doesn't mean it will always happen that way right. again and again and again. And it doesn't mean you have no control over it, you know, because there's other, you know, it, especially things like um, unexpected, the world coming, like a recession happens and it impacts right. their business. And right. As though there's nothing they could ever do about it. That's actually not really true. Yes, there are things that happen outside of your control, but then you get to take control over certain things and then change. Like there's a lot of different paths you could take in that scenario. Yeah. And they don't see that there are so many different paths. And so I just find it interesting also that we lawyers, and this is the human brain in general, but I think lawyers are even worse at this. We what if everything to death in the negative. Yeah. You never look at the positive paths. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I mean, our brain skews negative, so it makes a lot of sense. Like our our brains were built for survival. They weren't built to achieve big goals. Like there's two different parts of our brain. Yep. And so I'm sure you're, you've probably talked about this. You know, it's like there's a part of our brain that's very primal, very wants to survive, which is so grateful for, so glad <laughs> that it keeps me alive. And then there's that prefrontal cortex, that more evolved part of our brain where we are actually able to observe what's happening in our brain and have an impact on it. Mm -hmm. But it takes the practice and watching the brain and do what it do, do what it does. Right. So it's really making the observations, like a lot of them that we've already talked about, like looking back and seeing, look, I have made progress. In that particular case where the brain skews negative saying, this is impossible, it's never going to happen, this is just a pipe dream, right? These are all the reasons why I can't do it. We've got to take a step back. Hopefully you get a coach, any coach, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and like have that ability to get a different perspective because my brain has done the same thing and still does the same thing and I have to catch it to be like, oh, wait. My brain is saying all of these things. Where do I want it to go? Where can it go? Sometimes you you can't get to butterflies and daisies. You can get to, but today I'm just going to take action on my plan mm-hmm. and move like two millimeters forward. Yes. That, that might be all that's accessible. And that's okay because the every day you show up, even if you are just out of belief and you you think it's a pipe dream, but you show up and you make that two millimeter progress, guess what? You're two millimeters further ahead. And then every day you show up and you're creating that compound impact on your life that down the line, you may not be able to see it now. It will change everything. Yeah. And it's interesting to me how easily we discount taking tiny steps because at the end of the day, one tiny step every single day does give you something to look back on. Yeah. And you start to see you had bigger progress. And that's how you start to get confidence to take a bigger step 
and then a bigger one and then to actually go all in. And it it happens so slowly, though, we don't realize it's happening until one day it's like, whoa. I, I remember it's kind of like when I was promoted to partner. And I think there's for those of you who are more senior associates out there in a firm or maybe you own your own firm and, and, and when you started, you were scared to death, but now you're five years in and you like think about where you started, right? Think about how you looked around and thought, oh no, I don't know if I could do this, but you're kind of forced to. And so you do, and you take these small steps and then you get to a place where you're like, whoa, if all of a sudden you look back, you realize, crud, man, I didn't think I could get here. So I remember when I started practicing, I had these very senior partners training me and I thought, they're so smart. I, I'm never going to be as smart as them. I'm never going to be in that position. And then eight years later, I'm like, whoa, I'm actually about to be promoted a partner. I'm actually further along than I thought. And then I was promoted. And I remember like thinking like an idiot again, like, oh my God, they, they made a mistake. I'm totally out of my realm. What was I thinking? What was I doing? Of course, I was promoted in 2008 as a corporate finance attorney, which is really the worst time you could possibly be promoted as a finance (laughs) attorney because everything blew up and went away. And I had like zero business all of a sudden and had to build from scratch. And so I just remember thinking, I'm out of my league. I'm never going to make it. Yet I still did force myself to take little steps, right? And two years later, I had a million dollar book of business. And a couple of years later, I had two and a half. And so it adds up over time. And it's not like I took huge steps at any one point. I took small steps and I just stayed consistent. And that's really the key is just to keep taking that action. It builds confidence. It enables you to go further. It enables you to, to achieve much more than you ever thought you could. Yeah. And what came up for me as you were talking about your progress there, it's, it's so often, and this is something that I didn't have this skill until I had the skill, right? Like I just had to keep trying until I had the skill It's creating a plan for yourself that is doable. Not Mm -hmm. one that is aspirational, right? Not one where you're, you're killing yourself because you want it to quote unquote happen faster because that I will tell you that is where my brain went for a really long time. Yep. It was what is the most impactful action I can take to hit my goal and prioritizing them. Cause I could change. Um, and I was, I actually had this thought. This is why it came up. Um, a few months ago, I had this thought I could change the intro to my podcast or I could contact somebody and have a, a conversation. I could go to a networking event. I could, um, make an offer, but do I really need to change my podcast intro? No, that's not the most impactful action for the goal I had set. So, so if we're not, if we're busying ourselves with things that don't really matter and that aren't the most impactful actions, and mm-hmm. we don't have it in a plan and we can't ob- objectively evaluate, is this action going to further my short-term goal? Is it going to further my long-term goal? Am I better uh, served spending time on um, making, building my book of business, going on LinkedIn and, you know, making the shifts I want to make there? Or am I better served um, just going to an event or whatever it is? Maybe it's both, but Mm -hmm. you get to evaluate for yourself where your time is best spent this week. And if we don't make those, those observations, we could be busying ourselves and killing ourselves doing the things that just don't matter. 
Yeah. So how do you, you, you talked about short-term versus long-term goals. And I think personally, the way I, I help my clients goal set, we start with a bigger picture vision that's further out, right? That gets them excited. The thing they really, really, really want. Okay. And they create like a vision board on that, that that's the exciting thing. That's the thing they always have in the back of their head, right? But then we have to pull back from that because it's too big. Like you cannot go after that goal that's five years out right? <laughs> consistently. So then it's like, okay, what's a realistic yet challenging goal that will get you much closer to that vision to achieve within the next year, right? Yeah. That's your actual annual goal. And that's what you're working towards right now. But then we ha- we pull back even further to like quarterly because, again, a year is pretty far out and it's really mm-hmm. easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get off track. It's easy, you know, because it feels so far out even a year from now. And so we pull back and we do quarterly. Okay, so then what makes sense for this quarter? Where do you want to get to by the end of the quarter? And let's just work to that and let's keep on track with that. And then we reassess quarterly and we move forward. So you want people to go after these big, scary goals. How do you help them go after them while at the same time not getting discouraged, staying on track, not getting pulled off by the bright, shiny objects, and then also figuring out, well, is this really a goal or is this a distraction? Because there's distractions that get in the way that oh we my think gosh. Are priorities yes. that are not. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. There's so many things, but let me, there's a few and you probably do some I of asked, the same things. I asked a very non-coaching <laughs> question there, by the way, because it was like four different questions in one. But I knew if I didn't ask it, Dina, I would forget half of it. So like, we could it. break it down. <laughs> so, okay. So, okay. Pulling them back, the like what? I do like, yes, I want to know where they're going. I also want to know where their brain is right now mm-hmm. because, and you know, you, you see this too. It's like, if we can't get our brain on board, like five years from now to get my brain on board where I think I am in my business five years from now, yeah, that's a lot of work. It takes a lot of energy on my part. So what can I help them with? That's going to take a, just a little bit of energy, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That's my goal too. It's like, okay, where am I at right now with my belief in my abilities and where I am in my, my, well, for your law practice, if you're a lawyer listening to this or my business, you know, what, where am I right now? What can I get my brain on board with mm-hmm. in terms of my quarterly goal? Like, can I believe that I'm going to um, create X amount of dollars? And and if I can, or if it's just a little bit of a stretch, like what's the beliefs that are happening between me and that stretch? Like, why am I not in 100% belief? And so we just start kind of working through those. A lot of times um, it's the discomfort of doing something different that really uh, prevents the next level. And I had this really great example of a client. It was so funny. Um, she's a longtime client and she has really big goals. She's been hitting her goals. And one day we came to a session and we had been working on something where it was going to expand her practice. And she came to me and she said, you know, I think I'm going to do a 90 day glow up. I was on the internet the other day and it has like, we're going to do like exercising every single day and we're going to do this eating plan and we're going to do this plan. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. (laughs) Right. So I just asked her some questions. I'm like, that's really interesting. And it turned out, which I knew as soon as I heard it, I was like, this was just a big distraction preventing her from hitting her bigger goal. Right. Like she had this 
great goal. She was, she loved it, you know, and that's how our brains work. One week we're like on board the next week. We're like, let's do a 90 day glow up and let's turn left instead of going right. Mm-hmm. And so what we did is we just questioned her thoughts and she realized, oh, I'm just so uncomfortable doing these new things and putting myself in these uncomfortable positions like having difficult conversations or making investments in, you know, what I think is important to the growth of my business, that my brain was finding a distraction that was shiny. I call it like mm-hmm. the little squirrel, right? It's like, oh, squirrel, let's go after that. Yep. And um, that's really to answer the question of, I guess it was um, th- what distracts people or how does that show up? It can show up in something that sounds so exciting and amazing, like a 90-day glow up. <laughs> if it is distracting you from your goal and that energy is is going to be completely focused in the opposite direction of your goal, that is a big sign. <laughs> it is. I, I like to tell my clients that, look, your short-term goals should be leading you to your long-term goals. Right. If they're not you need to rethink whether it's really a short-term goal or it's a distraction to keep you away from your goal or if it's somebody, you know, and those distractions come in a lot of different ways. Oh, yeah. But we embrace them primarily for one of a couple of reasons. Number one, we're really uncomfortable with the things we need to get do, and there's fear, worries, doubts associated with the things we know we need to be doing to achieve the goal. And two, and this kind of goes in the fear, worry, doubt, but I like to classify it a little bit differently. We've already talked about this fear of judgment. We, mm-hmm. we do not want to be judged for failing for, and fear of failure is another one too. Another one that I find a lot of lawyers don't like, but when I dig deep into almost every client that I've had who comes to me saying, I hate failing, I hate failing. At the end of the day, it's not the failure itself. It's what other people will think of them when they fail. So it's really yeah. the fear of judgment. <laughs> Yeah. And, and it's so interesting because what we're actually thinking is that someone's going to judge me and I'm going to decide to believe that their judgment is true. Mm -hmm. Right. Rather than questioning how we're thinking. Cause like there are only certain people that we even care. Think about us. Right. right. The majority of people, we just think whatever, who cares? I'm going to do what I want to do. But then there's the people who come closer to us in our circle of influence. Mm -hmm. And then we get concerned that they're going to think we're making a stupid idea. We're making a stupid move. And it's like, wait a minute, let's question that. Are you really concerned about that? Or are you concerned you're really making a stupid move? Because if you 100% believed in yourself, you would be like, no, honey, you're confused. Like, I'm totally making this happen. Like, I get you have doubts, but that's like your issue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, this is my baby and I'm making it happen. Yeah. So what would you say, though, to those who have some big, scary dreams and goals, are pretty on board knowing they want to, and yet know that it's pretty risky and it might not work out? Yeah, it's true. It might not work out. (laughs) I know it is. Or it might not work out in the way that you think. Yeah, or on the timeline that you want it to happen. Oh, yes. Right? So so sometimes we'll just – and I've done this too, but when I got these skills, it was like, whoa, I can do this and I'm not going to make it mean anything about me if I don't hit my goal on the timeline. That is magical. So what we do is we – and I I mean we generally as humans, we tell ourselves, look – 
this needs to happen. And let me put this in terms of like law school, right? So year one through three, okay, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. We have all the doubts and we're like, gosh, darn it. I'm just going to keep showing up. Okay. I'm going to go back to class today. Right. And we finally, we finish it. We finish school and we're like, okay, now we have the bar exam. Awesome. So then we study for the bar exam and then some people pass and some people fail. Right. Mm -hmm. But not everybody who fails the bar exam on the first try doesn't become a lawyer, right? Like it, it's just didn't happen on the timeline that they had anticipated. And if you spin out in self-loathing, which I have in the past, which is why I can say this, right? If you spin out in self-loathing and just like this deep disappointment and shame that you didn't hit your goal in the timeline that you said, you're going to be depriving yourself of the ability to get back up in a time, in like a, in a way that's faster. Yeah. doesn't mean you're not going to get up, right? Like I have, but you can make it happen faster for you. And sometimes when you hear people talk about compressing the timeline, how does that happen? Well, it happens when you show up and be nice to yourself. This sounds so silly. Like when I heard this, I was like, what? Be nice to yourself? (laughs) Am I supposed to be nice to myself during this? Like, doesn't it mean I'm a failure if I didn't hit my goal in the timeline I set out for? Like, does that mean I'm never going to hit my goal? No. As soon as I stopped talking to myself like that, and as soon as I start started saying like, honey, I am so proud of you for putting in the work and showing up in a way that was uncomfortable and you did hard things and you showed up for the bar exam, you showed up for law school, you showed up even when like it was days when you just wanted to just give up, Yep. right? It was those days you kept showing up and look, like we're going to keep going because I know you want this. And, and I'm just going to keep having your back. I'm going to keep showing up for you. When I started doing that, oh my God, my life became so much easier. Well, and I want to make clear, y'all, this is not false positivity. This is being real about you still look at the messiness. You still look at the mistakes. You still look at the failures. But instead, you look at it and go, okay, A, what did I learn from it? How can I use this moving forward? And B, what good came of this too? Oh my what, gosh. What yeah. did – like? I showed up. I created habits. I, you know, there's a lot of good that comes out of those so-called failures, which in my mind, they're not failures as long as you do this because you're learning. We're all learning and you're meant to grow and learn. And the best way to do that is through making mistakes and failures. (laughs) We all know this when we have children that we're raising and yet we forget it about our own ourselves as we get to adults. It's like somehow we get to adulthood and become lawyers and we're supposed to be perfect forever. And it it doesn't work that way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so and and it's it's really a tool called reframing that I it, most lawyers do not utilize. And no, yet, we have no clue how to use it. Oh my it. gosh, you're so much better off if you do. And I would even say, like, so for example, you gave the bar exam. I'll give an example that happens sometimes with clients, and they set a huge like revenue goal for their business, and their industry goes south and they have more trouble bringing in work and then they have to pivot and then they have to see, okay, what are new opportunities? And then they have to kind of, you know, ground themselves in those new areas and become known in those areas. And so by the end of the year, they've accomplished a whole lot, but the monetary goal is not fully accomplished. They're maybe halfway there or two thirds there, but they didn't actually get the goal. doesn't mean you're a failure at that you know, things happen. You sometimes do not meet your full goal in the time that you allotted yourself. 
This is something, yes, we set goals to be measured so we can measure them. They're measurable over a specific time period. But just because you don't get it within that time period doesn't mean you failed. It just means other things were meant to happen as long as you continue to go and you learned. Yes. And what happens that I see when this happens to clients is if they don't achieve that goal in year one, they kill it in year two. Mm-hmm. Because they've done all the right things in year one to set themselves up. So then they meet that goal very quickly in year two and then massively exceed where they think they're going to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then when you were saying that, like part of this, it's so hard to encapsulate the shifts that you make over time in like yeah. a 40 minute podcast, right? <laughs> like, right. It's, it's, um, there's an evaluation process that happens while you're achieving your goal, right? Whatever it is. And depending on what your goal is, the evaluation is going to be a little different, right? So let's say you make it to the end of the year, you don't hit your monetary goal. Well, that the reason why you make those, that progress, right? You know, from you're working with your clients is because along the way, you were looking at what was making the biggest impact mm-hmm. on where you wanted to go. Like it's just these little steps every single day. You show up, you do the work, you like, you're like, okay, let me take a look at this. Well, how did this work? Did my like I do master classes, right? So I look at my master class and I I evaluate it. I look at it and I say, okay, what got the biggest response here? Like what created the result I wanted to create? Like, how can I make this simpler for them? How can I make this better for them? Right. My, the, the attendees. And you do that with every single part of your business. And then when you don't hit the monetary goal, you get to go back and you say, okay, what had the best impact? Like, what did I really mm-hmm. see that made the difference for me? Oh, was it me reaching out to a few key people? Was it me attending a, a conference? Was it me doing this, that, or the other? You can go back and say, oh, well, I really, and I really enjoyed this part of my business. And this seemed to really click with people. I'm going to bring in more of that into the mm-hmm. next phase of my goal. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's that whole learning process. As you learn, you get better. You hone in on what really does work. You let go of the stuff that doesn't work so well. And you realize that you don't have to spend as much time at it as you thought. You just need to be consistent in the right things. Yeah. But it takes, again, taking action and being a little messy at first and trying things out to figure out what those right things are. Yeah. I mean, and I'm guilty of this too, is I had to let go of so much perfectionism, Mm -hmm. right? Like I had to let go of trying to make everything exactly quote unquote right. There is no right. There's no rules. You just show up. This is something I wish somebody told me. There are no rules. You just show up and you do things and then you see what works. And there are no rules about like, nobody has the answer for you because the answer for one person might not be the answer for you because some people are people, 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 what do you call them? People, people, right? People who like to go out, extroverts, right? Like the people who like to go out and love chatting with people. You might not like going out and chatting with people. You're better on -on one-on-one conversations. So you might be better served reaching out to somebody one-on-one on on LinkedIn and having a conversation over Zoom. So like what works for one person is not going to work for maybe for you. And that's okay because we're all different. We all have different assets that we're bringing to the table, different experiences, and the people you're serving are going to be attracted to you and what you bring to the table. Absolutely. 
Thank you so much for coming onto the show today. I think this was an amazing conversation and one that everybody needs to hear, Uh, especially by the time this airs. We're going to be towards the end of the year. Uh, People are going to be trying to figure out their goals for the next year. They're going to need help with that. So So why don't you tell people where they can find you if they would like to reach out? Yeah. Um, first off, if you like podcasts, you can come and listen to Be a Better Lawyer podcast anywhere you listen to them. You can also find me on Instagram at Dina.Cataldo and LinkedIn. And you can always go to my website. I have some resources on there. If you're interested, you can go to DinaCataldo.com. And I will, of course, have links to all of those places in the show notes. Thank awesome. you so much for this conversation, Dina. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. I hope that you enjoyed today's interview. And for those of you who are goal setters and would like a little help on setting your 2023 goals, you're in luck. I just recently held a live workshop for goal setting that was recorded, thankfully, and you can get your hands on it. So I will put a link to that workshop in the show notes. That is it for this week. We will be talking again next week. Bye for now. Are you tired of barely squeezing life in thinking, shouldn't there be more to life than this? Do you want to get to the next level, but without losing yourself in the process? Are you ready to start thinking and doing differently so that you can stop doing the same things over and over and over, hoping for a different result? If any of this speaks to you and you're ready to do something about it starting now, book a call with me to find out how I can help. Go to lifeandlawpodcast.com forward slash free call.